While crypto wallets may be considered to be at the sharp end of payments innovation, the security vulnerabilities they face are much the same as those that already exist in digital banking and payments. That's one of the findings in a recent report by Javelin Strategy and Research on crypto wallets, digital wallets designed with the purpose of storing cryptocurrencies safely online or offline. I'm Nick Holland, Director of Banking and Payments at Information Security Media Group. And today I'm going to be speaking with Al Pascal, Senior VP of Research at Javelin and the lead author of the report. What you focus on in the, in the report is the three types of uh, crypto wallets. So can you explain the difference between custodial, non-custodial and multi-signature crypto wallets? Um, you know, and, and then maybe elaborate on that in terms of which is the most secure. Oh, no, absolutely. Um, it's important to note that, you know, these are not all kind of distinct. I mean, there's a distinct difference between custodial and non-custodial. Um, but, you know, multi-signature is, is something different, and I'll explain. A custodial wallet uh, ultimately means that, you know, that wallet provider is storing your private key, and they're storing just private keys for anyone, you know, who has a wallet with them. So uh, a good example would be Coinbase. Right? They have all of their users' private keys, whereas a non-custodial wallet is where you, your device, actually has that private key. Um, the, the wallet provider cannot access it. Um, it is yours and you know, yours alone. Um, obviously, there's pros and cons with each, um, but there are uh, notably, they're very different services. The multi-signature wallet, you know, all that really means is that you're going to need more than one key to sign a transaction. Um, and you know, that, that redundancy has utility when you know, you're trying to institute you know, much higher levels of security. So think about like a, like a business use case or you know, very large investments and you have multiple multiple parties involved and interested and you want to make sure that, you know, a lot of money doesn't go missing overnight, right. then, you know, you're going to require multiple, uh, in essence, multiple signers. When, when we're looking at these, um, these crypto wallets, again, where, where are the vulnerabilities and which, which of those would be the most secure? <laughs> I, I laugh because I guess it depends on your point of view. Um, with a custodial wallet, I think the biggest vulnerability is that you have a, a single point of failure. Right. And we've seen this play out at exchanges where, you know, they, in essence, lost everybody's crypto. Um, and so, I mean, that's it's the same kind of problem you see with any other kind of business where they're storing users data. You know, they're storing their customers money or goods and, you know, they get compromised and it puts those customers at risk. That same thing can happen with a custodial wallet. So that's a, a really kind of distinct uh, vulnerability, whereas with the non-custodial wallets, I think the, the biggest security vulnerability there um, is that it's kind of like it's kind of like carrying a briefcase full of money. And, you know, there's a reason why we don't all carry our life savings, you know, with us. Um, there's some good examples over the last year of people being, you know, held up and having their, you know, in essence, their wallets taken from them. Um, and now these are hardware wallets, which are a little different than what we looked at. So these are like standalone like devices. But regardless, um, with these non-custodial wallets, you know, you can be forced, like, you know, if you're at an ATM and someone points a gun at you and says, you know, take money out of your account, you know, you could be forced, you know, to you know, actually go into your wallet, um, you know, move money. Um, it's, it, it's dangerous in a way, but some people like that because it's not a single point of failure. You're the one responsible for protecting, you know, your wallet as opposed to, you know, Coinbase, for example. Uh, when you start talking about what the fraud, you know, uh, the potential for fraud looks like with some of these, and you think about those custodial wallets, they're very much like a bank account. And so all of the schemes that work well with bank accounts 
you know, work generally with these custodial wallets as well. And so, you know, the, these criminals have gotten really good. They cut their teeth on the banks. And obviously a lot of banks have very, very good security. So with some of these wallets, they, their security isn't at the same level. And it's pretty easy for them to manipulate users, um, you know, to potentially you know, socially engineer, to glean credentials and access accounts and, and all the rest. And, you know, we see that happen. So, so you're seeing effectively a lot of the same tools that we've already witnessed in in sort of the online banking or mobile banking spaces being kind of the the, the security parameters that you'll you'll see again in these crypto wallets. Absolutely. I mean, we treated uh, the wallet in the in the research um, in a way that we we didn't uh, necessarily make it like a like to like comparison with banks, but we we used banks as our reference point. Because if you think about you know who the users of these wallets are, I mean they're they're you and I and everybody yeah. else and our experience, right? And the level of security we expect is very much based on the experience that we have with, right? And so we look for those same features in these wallets. What about I mean what, what kind of fraud schemes are the most prevalent uh, for crypto wallets? What where, you know what what are the, the main sort of vectors of attack? Yeah, I mean as far as the the users are concerned, um, you know social engineering is you know is a very real problem. You know there was a uh, a scheme that played out where um, there was uh, you know, fake, or not fake, or fa- a fake website set up, and it was um, you know using you know these kind of uh, in essence free certificates, and you know users were conned into providing you know their you know their credentials for their wallet accounts, and so I mean that's that that can happen that plays out, and we we see that with banking too, right, where people think they're going to you know WellsFargo.com. And it's not quite WellsFargo.com, right? It looks like it. It may even say that it's, you know, the certificate is valid, but in reality, you know, they've been led down the primrose path and they enter their banking credentials and at the end of the day, their money is gone. So that kind of thing happens. Account takeover, um, again, very similar to the banking space where these criminals get access to your credentials. And if it's a custodial wallet, um, you know, they could potentially use those logging credentials to get to your account. Uh, they may even do things like uh, intercept the one and passwords. So they'll be like phone forwarding, uh, phone porting or call forwarding and get those messages sent to their devices. So, you know, in, in essence, they're circumventing the controls to log in. And we've seen this scheme play out time and time again, you know, with the, with the banks as well. So it's interesting, right? I mean, all those kind of corollaries, how, you know, how they're playing out just as we saw. Have you come across any fraud schemes that are outside of normal parameters? I mean, is, is there anything that is uniquely crypto in terms of fraud? Yeah, you know, I, I think there's um, some interesting examples because Cryptocurrency is still developing technology and, you know, we're, we're all scrambling to keep up and there aren't a lot of standards at this point. And um, so, I mean, that leads to leads to problems, right? And this stuff is all based on code. And obviously, with with code, there are always going to be you know, errors, unintended consequences. So the, the example, I guess, that would be interesting would be uh, with Ether. You know, Ethereum had a big problem where someone manipulated the system and they moved, I think it was like $50 million. And it was well within the rules of the system. You know, they didn't, you know, tech, you know, quote unquote, at least I can make their argument was we didn't technically steal it. We did it because we could do it, right? The contract system allowed us to do it, right? And so um, what that forced the, you know, the community to do was institute a hard fork, um, basically, you know, kind of cordoning off um, or well, technically reversing those transactions. Um, and so really, I think that's a really interesting example. That doesn't, that doesn't happen in the banking space. Um, there isn't like a bank error in your favor card for $50 million that people play. But that's, you know, that played out in the crypto space, which is, which is different. So what about in terms of the, you know, so you, you, in the report, you, you analyze these wallets on um, 
basically three criteria, which are fraud prevention, fraud detection and fraud resolution. So what, what are the attributes of wallets that rank highest? Uh, wallets that did really well will have uh, really good authentication. And I mean, that's, that's critically important, right? Making sure that the person who's logging into that wallet, conducting the transactions, you know, is in fact the legitimate owner of that wallet. So using things like, um, you know, uh, one-time code generators, which is a little bit different than you see in banking. A lot of banks don't do that, and there are reasons why. Um, but, it, you know, it can be very secure. I'm supporting security keys, like a YubiKey. see some of that actually in the space, which is really interesting. Um, you know, banks that, uh, not banks, but wallets that do well also have good, uh, good alerts and notification capability. So they would support, like, multi-channel alerts. They would allow customization of alerts. And we think that's incredibly powerful, right, being notified you know, that money is leaving your account, my crypto is leaving your account, is going to allow you to act, right, and potentially stop it from getting, you know, too far out of hand. Because, you know, typically they're going to do like they do with banks. They're going to test, see how much they can move. Um, and a lot of this, you know, in essence is immutable. If they leave with your crypto, um, unless it's a ton and, you know, unless it's, you know, maybe, you know, Bitcoin, because we can track a lot of wallets now, that, that crypto is probably gone. So you want to you know when that stuff's happening. So listen notifications. Um, well, I think there's an opportunity, though, and this is, you know, kind of looking at the resolution space. Um, there was just, there were not a lot of resolution capabilities to be found. And I back to the whole notion that, you know, this stuff is designed to be immutable. But uh, what I thought was interesting was Coinbase offers a liability guarantee. Now, it's only in the event that they're hacked, um, but I think they offer coverage up to a million dollars. So that's, I mean, that's almost... Not quite the same. That's more in line with what I think you know, consumers expect because obviously when we bank um, or we use our credit cards, we have liability protection. Right? Under Reg E and Reg Z, something bad happens, get our money back. Um, so that, I think that's a really interesting opportunity over the long term. If someone could figure out how to crack that and maybe it's, um, maybe it's using some form of insurance, right? some kind of reinsurance. But if you can offer people that guarantee, um, I think that's like... Um, that's like the, the zero liability guarantee that Wells instituted, right? I mean, it really le- raises the level of trust and it, it may even help like, you know, like uh, bolster adoption among everyday consumers, knowing that, you know, people can't steal their, their crypto and they're going to be out of pocket because that doesn't happen at the bank. I, I feel like that's a good opportunity. We're not seeing that right now, but we call that out in the report. Thank you, Al. We've been talking today with Al Pascal of Javelin Strategy and Research. For Information Security Media Group, this is Nick Holland.